Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Join with me this morning as I just come to our pastor's prayer. Would you bow your head and just close your eyes and agree with me silently as I lift us up. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, united in minds and hearts to proclaim that you are the Lord and there is none other and that you are worthy of honor, glory, and praise. And we come this morning to declare our love for you and to give thanks for your wonderful mercy and grace. We come to give thanks for your salvation, freely offered and freely given. And we thank you for sending your Son to pay the penalty of our sin. For without his perfect obedience, we are lost and without hope. And it's only in his righteousness that we're able to stand before you. Today we come to confess that Jesus is Lord and salvation comes by no other name. Chosen, called, and confirmed by the Holy Spirit, we give thanks for his presence and his guidance in our lives this morning. He is the guarantor of our salvation, the one who teaches us all things through the scriptures, speaking of Jesus. And we pray that you will unite our hearts in one Lord, in one baptism, in one spirit. Teach us to love one another, to give honor to one another, to provoke one another to good works. Help us to put away all bitterness and anger, and let us bear one another's burdens and restore one another with the grace that's so freely given to us. Let us forgive and declare the goodness and the mercy of our God. We pray this in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Finishing up Genesis after a two-year kind of summer run, we have found that God has been displaying His character through the world He has created and in His interaction with the human race. And today we're talking about the faithfulness of God. That's kind of been our theme through Genesis. The title this morning is God Speaks. In these last chapters, the last 22 or 23 through 50, we have focused on four great people. There was four great events previous, now four great people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And through those men and even their wives, we have learned how God has been working through Abraham and his family to accomplish his purpose of sending a Savior to redeem the human race and the curse of sin and death that was promised in Genesis 3.15. The narrative of Genesis of the story is moving from the call of Abraham to the creation of the nation of Israel that will lead to the chosen seed, Jesus. I had mentioned before that Creeth Krell wrote that the focus of Genesis is God's choice and care of his chosen people, Israel. And as we move from Genesis to Exodus, we'll see then the chosen Israel as a nation. There's been three things we've learned from that, so before we get to that, I'd like to open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for the book of Genesis. Many times we take it for granted. It's a mist of stories. Some say myths. Some say other types of things. We believe that it's a record of your dealing with us. And Lord, that it points to the greatest promise, Lord, that we could be saved from our sin. And so I pray as we close up this book for now, that you would open our hearts to receive the last few words and that your Holy Spirit may have free reign. And then we may respond to not only to your providence, but your faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So again, we have to remember that Genesis is the beginning of God's story. Again, we talk about the Bible, 66 books, but it's not 66 separate books that are meant to take out of themselves. They all tell one story, the story of redemption. Many chapters, but the story of God reconciling man back to himself. And there's three things that we've learned in these weeks. The first one is that God is providentially in control over all things. And that's something that we need to understand. We like to be in the driver's seat. We like to use the words free will and we like to use those types of things. We have to come back and understand that God has called us to himself and he's providential in that area. We discussed these past few weeks how Genesis has demonstrated the providence of God in his creation and through the lives of his people. We see the faithfulness of God in his providence. We've called it the doctrine of providence, and I've shared with you that Wayne Grumman has defined it as God is continually involved in all created things, in such that he keeps them existing and maintaining their properties, and that he cooperates with us and with all created things, including nature and all the things visible and invisible, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do, and then thirdly, as directs them to fulfill his purpose. And that's what we've been seeing through the life of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. God is sovereign over all things. And God's providence is used to show the faithfulness of God in accomplishing His purpose and keeping His promise. And as we go from the first call of Abraham to leave all that he knew to come to a land that he did not know, to a land, as we see in our scripture reading, he never did own except for one little piece, a little cave, a place where he could bury Sarah, and the rest of his family, we see that we have to realize that as God works through that and doing his will, that things are not always rosy. When we think of God's providence and we think of God's faithfulness and that God is being a good God, there's a lot of questions that may come up and say, wait a second, if God is controlled, then why do not things just go from A directly to B? Why is there all these types of skips and hills and valleys? And we've seen in our own lives that our lives are marked by those types of Things Are there not seasons in our lives which seem to be very, very good and then seasons of our lives in which things are very, very difficult? Phil Johnson, we learned last week, had wrote that providence is characterized by many unexpected twists and turns. Again, that's that phrase is who knows the mind of God. It's good God works in mysterious ways. We've come up with all these little idioms and, and sayings to kind of understand that truth is that many times when God says, Abraham, I'm going to call you out of a land and I'm going to give you something, it seems like God works through different hard ways to get that to happen. And many times we have to ask, why does God work that way? Why doesn't he just give it to them? But as we see, they never even saw the promised land. We also realize, as Phil Johnson wrote, that the Lord gives and he takes away through the life of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. You see, just when they thought they were going to get something, the Lord would take it away. Job says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But in all things, we're still to do what? Give praise to God. Even when it seems like his promises are delayed or when it seems like his promises are taking twists and turns that you and I cannot see. And then thirdly, he had said temporal blessings are nothing compared to the spiritual blessings. And that's what we got from Hebrews. As that even though Abraham was expecting that promise to be fulfilled, and one day it would be finally fulfilled, he did not get to see it. But he recognized that there was a spiritual blessing that's greater than the physical. 
So here you and I are like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We too have been given a promise. We too have been given great faithful things that God says that I will do for you and how I will keep you and take care of you. And as we look through our lives, we look back and say, boy, it doesn't seem like he's doing that right now. Now maybe hindsight, we're able to see it a little bit, but still we're left wondering why this way? Why such despair? But we have to recognize that this world is not the final blessing that we're to look forward to, amen? I mean, we're delivered from the penalty of sin today. We're delivered from the power of sin, but we still have the presence of sin in our lives, and that's marked out each and every day very clearly for all of us to see. But there will be one day when that promise is fulfilled and glorification, when all things will be made new. The Bible tells us that we need to put our thoughts and our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. So the third first thing we learned is God is providentially in control over all things. Second thing Scripture tells us through Genesis, that God faithfully fulfills His promise. God faithfully fulfills all of His promises. His first promises was in Genesis 3.15 where He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise His heel. That promise is to send the Savior. Now in this Genesis, they're before. This is the beginning of the promise. They stand before, looking forward to that. You and I stand on this side of redemption. That is something that we look backwards to. But yet we still look forward to when it's finalized, as Romans 8 tells us. Is that creation and the sons of God still yearn and groan for that final day. But God faithfully fulfilled His promise to send a Savior Given in Genesis 3.15, at the moment of the fall, he sent his Savior. He fulfilled his promises to Abraham. There was three promises he gave to Abraham. The one was the land promise. He says, I will give you a land that I will show you. He gave him a national promise that he would be a father of great many nations. And we looked at that last year of his children and grandchildren, how many they eventually became and the nations they began. And then thirdly, there was the spiritual or the seed promise that all families of the earth shall be blessed through Christ. We see that also God has promised to make us into the image of His Son. If God was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then we know that He'll also be faithful to you and I. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Romans chapter 8, famous portion of Scripture. Many of you probably have it already memorized. Some of you might have it already tattooed on some portion of your skin. I don't know. But you have it, Romans chapter 8. If God is faithful in sending a Savior, if He's faithful to the promises of Abraham, and He was passed to His son Isaac, it was passed to His son Jacob, and it was passed to the sons of Jacob, and continuing through, and let me take a side note as you're looking at that. I think that's what's so amazing about the genealogies of the Bible. How many of you are like me when you get to the genealogies, and if you're talking about the King James or something, you get the begats, right? And all of a sudden you start getting to those names, and you just start kind of breezing through them. Anybody do that? Okay, like 1 Chronicles, to me, 1 Chronicles doesn't start till chapter 7. But the genealogies are important. Hence why in Matthew and Luke, I believe it is, you see the genealogy of Christ. Those genealogies are important. Not only are they time factors to help us understand how things fit in, but it shows the faithfulness of God to every generation that that promised seed was coming. Even when it includes people like Tamar, the woman who had to seduce her own father-in-law to become pregnant, when it includes people like Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho, when it includes Ruth, the Moabitess, who followed Naomi, 
back to the land of Israel. And what we see is that God is using even flawed and people who had failed in their lives to bring us the promise of His Son. So the genealogies are important. So when we read this, it ought to encourage you. Because as you see Abraham, Isaac, the promise being passed, even when each of them are not perfect men and women, we see this promise here in Romans chapter 8. And see, we see God has a providential plan for our lives. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Like Abraham, who was an idol worship, is called out of his land and says, come, follow me. He's called to many of us and said, come, follow me, when we too were idol worshipers. It might not have been a little statue, but we were worshiping ourselves. We were worshiping our money. We were worshiping our career. Whatever it is, whatever we focus on, whatever it is that our aspirations and our dreams, God also has called us out. And he says a call in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You just need to underline that. Because that is God's plan for us. It's not just to deliver us from hell. It's not just so we can have eternal life. It's not just so we can have heaven and it's paradise and it's everything that we want. But it's that we may be conformed to the image of His Son. You see, that's God's promise to you and I. That's the promise really given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that that's how all the families of the nations will be blessed. For he says that we may be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those, he says, here's the promise. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified, he made right with God. And those whom he made right, justified with God, he also will what? Glorify. So you and I have a promise that we will not see fully in this world. And no matter what way God takes us, we know that we have a land, a spiritual blessing, a spiritual home that's greater than anything that money can buy here on earth. I hope that encourages you. For Genesis is more than just a book of Jewish history. It's a book of a promise to you and I that we can hold on to Romans is built on the promises and on the faithfulness and the providential goodness of God that was based in Genesis. See, God is faithful in keeping His promises. The psalmist sings, For great is His steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures, anyone want to guess? Forever. Amen? Now, if you're like me, sometimes it doesn't seem like that. Sometimes it seems like the love of God is for all uh, is, is, is out there. You can almost see it. Maybe you can smell it, taste it. Maybe you have, but it always seems to be elusive. But let me share with you that promise is real and true for those who love Him and to those He calls. So not only did we learn that God is providential in control over all things, God faithfully fulfills His promise. And the third thing that we learned is that God expects us to trust and obey His commands. That's what we find in Genesis. As he called out to Abraham, as he gave that promise to Isaac and to Jacob, God says, here's what you need to do. You need to trust and obey in my goodness. You need to trust that I'm providentially in control and that you are not. You need to trust that my promises are sure and promises that I am good and faithful and I will accomplish that purpose. Just trust and obey. I love that old song. 
Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. As we look through Genesis, we can see many who did not. Adam and Eve, Cain, Esau, Joseph's brothers, many failed time and time again. Hence to say the whole world before the flood. They failed to trust and obey in God's goodness. Abel and Noah obeyed, even though Noah still struggled here and there. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they learned to trust and obey. And that's something we need to understand. Is trusting and obeying is not something that comes automatically. Wouldn't it be great that once you accepted Christ, that man, boom, you just had it. They just trust and obey. Wouldn't it be great if the children that, that we bear and raise would just automatically, a two-year-old, just stand up straight and listen to every word you had to say? Wouldn't that be great? Just sit down. You know, instead of, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run. Come back, come back, come back. I've just become a repeater in my older age. Wouldn't it be great, but that's not how it is. Faith, learning to trust and obey is something that takes time, does it not? That's why we give grace to each other. That's why we love one another. That's why we have to provoke one another to good works. The Bible tells us to do so. We saw that through the life of Abraham, an idol worshiper, and he was hesitant in his faith. He didn't go all the way into the land. He stopped with his father at least halfway through. Then we see as he walks through his life, he seems to be doing well, and then he begins to lie about Sarah being his wife to save his own life. But then we see him take great steps, and then in Genesis 22, we see this wonderful picture of a man whose faith has matured to the point when God says, take your son, your only son, the son of promise, take Isaac, go up and sacrifice him to me. Abraham does so. And you and I, you might remember, every time I think of that story, I remember as a kid, I'm thinking, we all know the story, he's going to provide a ram, right? God's going to provide a substitute. And so every time I used to think of that passage, I used to think of Abraham with his hand up ready, you know, to do it, right? Okay, okay, God, okay, I'm doing it, God, where's the ram? Ram, God, Lord, where is it at? And he's kind of looking around, but the scripture gives us nothing of that. The Bible actually said that Abraham was fully ready and expecting to kill his son. And not only just to plunge the knife in, but he was going to rip him stomach to stern, whatever that phrase is, and prepare him like any other sacrifice. Why? Because Hebrew tells us that Abraham knew and trusted that God would actually bring Isaac back to life. You got faith like that? That's the type of faith that Abraham had after years of sputtering and stopping and hesitant and one step forward, two steps back. We see Isaac and Jacob as they work through their lives. Flawed faith growing into more mature faith. We need to recognize that God expects us to trust and obey His commands. And that can be difficult for you and I in the near term, but we've got to learn that that's something that we do together, hence why we have community, why we come together and we hold hands and say, let's walk together because we're not strong enough to do it on our own. At least I know I am. Maybe you are. If you are, then come and grab someone and say, let's do this walk together. There may be some questions we may have in trying to understand God's providence. Understanding God's promise and His expectation that we're to trust and obey. 
You and I may ask, well, how do I know what to do when I'm undergoing trials and suffering? What if God's providence has me going in ways I did not expect? What if I'm suffering from consequences, not of my own making, but of just life and maybe of someone else? How can I know if this really is God's will for my life? I hear that all the time. How do I know if this is God's will? What do I do if I don't believe this is God's will? What if I have a complaint about God? What if I'm like Job and his friends and I say, wait a second, Lord, this is too much. You know, there's a phrase, and we probably should just cut this phrase out. Maybe you've heard it. You've ever heard the phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that phrase? Throw it out. Because that's not true. If God gave you no more than you can handle, then it becomes works, does it not? That seems to be anti-biblical. And actually, God is going to call you to something that you cannot do and that you cannot handle. What does Paul say? For in my weakness, he is made strong. Maybe you're at that place today. Or maybe the problem is, is you're not yet there. You're still trying to handle it yourself. How can I trust God if he does lead me into suffering and pain? How can he be a good God? How can he be a faithful God? How can I learn to wait if I'm in the midst of those delays and of those promises? And what if I haven't seen those promises fulfilled? And what if God doesn't even reveal his purposes? You see, these are all and many more are some of the things that attack you and I. It's the things that are in our minds and our hearts that prevent us from trusting in God and understanding that God is faithful and good. Because really that's where Satan works because he does the same thing. God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he wouldn't take you this route. He wouldn't have put you with this group of parents or he wouldn't have this type of lifestyle or he wouldn't let you get in this financial or he would take care of all of this health and the difficulties that you have. And Satan works to attack the goodness of God. And he causes you to doubt God's word. The very way that he works with Adam and Eve is the same way that he's worked for eternity. He doesn't need to change it because it works. So you and I need to be ready for Satan's attack against God's providence, God's faithfulness, and God's expectations for us. For you and I, we need to find comfort and encouragement and strength in God's providence. To learn and trust and obey, we must first recognize and admit that God is sovereign. We need to allow Him to set on the throne. Some of us are still struggling with that day to day, and that is a struggle. We need to fight that urge. We need to recognize and understand that God's plan for the universe reaches down into the finest corners of our life. We think God is just all about the big stuff, and he doesn't sweat the small stuff, but that's not what we see in Scripture. The Bible says that man throws the dice, but God decides where it lands. God is in every form of, of moving every dust particle, Spurgeon says. God's plan for our life is to bring us to glory in union with his Son. This is the destination for all of us that are united to Christ by faith, regardless of the earthly paths that we need to walk. For you and I will walk different paths, but each one leads to the same conclusion if you're one of His. He has not been silent. He has not been quiet. Let me tell you that God speaks and makes known His will to us 
and reveals to us those things that you and I need to know. So I want to share five things to know about how God speaks. For you say, how did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, how did these men and women that Randy read about, how is it that they were able to face the magistrates and be willing to be sawn in half, be willing to be torn in two, willing to be martyred? How could that be God's wonderful plan for our lives? And, and we have that phrase, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, if you were a first New Testament early Christian, that included the lion's den. That included death and martyrdom. Today, in this world, there are Christian brothers and sisters that are giving it all for Christ, that are seeing their lives being taken from them, their liberties being taken because of Him. So how do they know? How can I trust and obey when I don't know if I'm in God's providence or I don't know what His will for me? I want to share with you five things. For some of you, this may be, we've gone over this before. It may not be new. But again, I think we need to grab it. The first thing we need to recognize is God in His sovereignty uses everything to guide according to His purpose and plans. God is control of all things, visible and invisible. Everything created, all things, He controls it. And He uses everything to guide. Abraham's servant, He used to guide him using circumstances to find a wife for Isaac. You remember he was standing at a water well. And said, well, God, let the woman that comes and offers to water my camels and let her also be a daughter of Laban, that's who will choose to be Isaac's wife. God works through circumstances, her time schedules, her personalities to work through it. Joseph's brother selling him into slavery. God uses that for his glory and for a way to save his brothers. Potiphar's wife, evil's desire for Joseph and the false accusation. God uses that for his good. Joseph is thrown in prison, not a place that many of us would want to be, but God even uses that to fulfill his will. God uses times of famine, times of hunger, times of infertility, all these things in life God uses to guide us. It could be a stoplight, a green light, a stop sign, a yield sign. It can be someone cutting in front of you. It could be someone in the grocery store. It could be a phone call. It could be so many things that God uses to direct us according to His will. And to be honest, those things happen to us day in and day out, and we're not aware of them. It's just God moving His pieces as the author of all things to move us as actors and actresses in the way He has us to go. And God writes these days for us. We're not even aware of them, but God guides them and directs them for His purposes. We say there's no accidents, for all things are opportunities. All things work for God's purposes. So God in His sovereignty uses everything to guide according to His purposes and plans. It could be weather and patterns, it could be droughts, politics, all things work for God. So you and I need to raise comfort in that. Number two. In many and varied ways, God speaks to His people. He guides them with their conscious cooperation. So there are times that God works without us knowing. And for you and I, we shouldn't be looking after, uh, under every rock. We shouldn't look, be looking for burning bushes. We shouldn't be putting out fleeces and so on and so forth. There's just, just trust that God is working in us according to His purpose. 
But then there are times that God does speak to us. In Genesis, as well as the Old Testament, and some in the New Testament, we see that God spoke through creation. We see He spoke audibly and personally to Adam and Eve, and we seem to think to the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac. God spoke through visions. God spoke through dreams, through Daniel and Joseph, so on and so forth. God spoke through angels. God spoke through prophets. God spoke through the regular circumstances of life. God even spoke through a donkey. God can use and speak through anything. So there are times where God, with our conscience effort, will engage us and share with us what His will is. He will share a direction. He'll give a command. We see that uh, thoroughly in the Old Testament. But number three, this is important. See, that's how Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the rest of the Old Testament lived. And expecting, probably one of the darkest days of Israel's life was not when they were thrown and Assyria was taken over the northern kingdom or when the southern kingdom was taken away and taken to Babylon because even during those times there were prophets. God's word was frequently given to them. It had to have been during those 400 years that we say between Malachi and New Testament, where it says God was silent. What a sad commentary. For 400 years, God was silent in speaking to his people in a conscious way. He still spoke through circumstances. He still spoke through politics. He was moving nations in the hearts. But God was silent. For you and I, though, today, standing on this side of the cross, this side of redemption, we see that in these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews, if you would? Hebrews chapter 1. For you and I have something greater and better than prophets and dreams and visions. We have something greater than donkeys and angels speaking to us today. The Bible tells us that he now speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, speaking of since Christ has ascended, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power again you're seeing the sovereignty and providence in jesus christ he is god and after making purification for sin he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs the guidance that god gives you and i today is different better and greater than that which he gave to the Old Testament. For God graciously gives for our lives his own son. And I've heard this, and I thought to myself, you know, if God did speak to me like he spoke to Adam, if God would speak to me like he did to Abel and to Cain and Elijah, if God spoke to us with a thundering voice and we all could hear it, or if he spoke with someone going in a flaming Harley Davidson chariot of fire, going up into heaven, if God spoke by just making the waves go up, wouldn't I listen and trust and obey? Wouldn't I too also want to follow him? Wouldn't everybody else say, wow, look at that, let's follow him? Have you ever thought that? But Genesis in the Old Testament tells us that even when God did that, people ignored him, did they not? Even his own people 
were hesitant to follow and disbelieved. Gideon, we talk about the fleece all the time. He doubted God. That's not an example, by the way, of good Christian living. You know, put out a fleece, do this. We say it all the time. Let's put out a fleece and let's pray about it. That she showed a lack of faith. God already sent an angel. Now he's asking God to do parlor tricks for him. Hey, why don't you do this? And then you could show that, you're, that I can trust you. It's even said of Barak uh, that we read. He's in the Hall of Fame, but he didn't believe God, did he? And the glory went to Deborah, the woman, because he failed to obey God and trust God fully. Jesus himself walked among people, but still people did not follow him. But the guidance that God graciously gives us now is through his Son. And number four, God speaks to us today by his Son through the Spirit in Scripture. And that's what you have to see is God now does speak to us. We don't have to wonder where God is in our life. We don't have to wonder what God's will for our life is. We don't need to know if God is with us or if he's away from us because it says that the Spirit speaks to us through Scripture. Before Jesus went last supper that he had, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. It's the work of the Holy Spirit speaking to the disciples. The Holy Spirit will help you remember all things. He was that Siri, I guess, before the Siri was available. He will bring all things into guidance. John 15, 26, the next chapter says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So for you and I, for us to trust in God's providence, to know where we are in God's providence, to know what God has called us to do, to be able to trust and obey his commands, God has given us his word spoken by His Son and illuminated through the Spirit to help us to know in which ways that we should walk and the ways that we're to avoid and how to trust and obey the commands of God. But let me give you this last warning, number five. Apart from the Spirit working through Scripture, God does not promise to use any other means to guide us and nor should we expect Him to. If you're expecting dreams and visions, if you're expecting an angel to come to you, God does not promise to speak as he spoke in the way before. Scripture says there's something greater than that. His religion that says an angel came and gave me more tablets and finishes the word of God. We ought to ignore it. It's not the Holy Spirit. If you're looking and dwelling on impressions and feelings and nudges and visions or dreams to say, this is what God told me to do, then yes, then check it through the word of God. For God has told us that he'll give us his commands and his promises through his word. In other words, if someone comes to me and says, well, hey, I think God wants me to divorce my husband or divorce my wife. Okay, what does scripture say? Husbands, love your wife. Wives, submit to your husbands. Does he really tell us to do that? No. Someone comes to me and says, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I have bitterness against this relative or against this friend or against someone who did me wrong. And I just can't help thinking evil of them and bad about them. What does Scripture tell us to do? To forgive them, to love them. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those 
who do evil against you. The Bible tells us and commands us what to do. The problem is, is that you and I really don't want to follow God's will. And so we'd rather go by a feeling, a nudge, an impression, maybe a word someone gave to us. But let me share with you. I'm not saying that God cannot work through those types of things, but I would want to share with you is that God has not promised to do so. He says that He's going to work through His Word. And if you're here today and you feel like God has given you an impression or a vision or something to do, if it doesn't match up with God's Word, then He hasn't spoken. That's a lying prophet. That's a lying angel. It's a lying spirit. That's why he told them, test the spirits. There are pastors and preachers in other churches who will tell you, if I hear tell you something other than what Scripture is, then you should come back to me also. For the Bible says that we only speak that which comes from His Word, those principles that we can gather. I want to encourage you, God has not left us in this land, left us as exiles without His Word. God says, I'm providentially in control. God says, trust in me. I'm showing you my faithfulness. I'm showing you how good I am. Just trust and obey. You say, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do your Word, but, but how can I do that? And for some of us, that may be difficult. That is not a perfect science. So the Word of God is shared with us ways in which we can understand how we go through it. If you're here today and you're going through a thing in your life and you're not sure about God's providence, you're doubting the faithfulness of God, you're doubting the promises of God, you're struggling with knowing that God is good, then I want to share with you God has given us three ways that can help us to be sure of these things. For He tells us to rest in the providence of God. We need to see that God reveals some things to us and God reveals things not to us. Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed to us, to our children forever, that we may do the works of this law. There are some things in this lifetime you and I will not know. And let me ask you, are you okay with that? For most of us, we aren't, if we're honest. Because we want to know all things. Why? Because to be honest, we're having a hard time letting go and not controlling our own life. That doesn't mean that we just take off and we don't make decisions. Obviously not. That's not what we're saying here. God's called us to make godly, wise decisions. That comes through His Word. It comes through prayer. The Bible tells us if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it to us freely. He tells us in his scripture that scripture gives us the way. It says it makes wise the simple and that it makes us wise for salvation and that it's good for all things that pertain to godliness and holiness. So God's word is there to help us to understand the promises of God, to be able to trust in the goodness of God. And then God has also given us counselors and teachers the Bible calls us to associate with the wise. It says, He who walks with the wise, grow wise, but a companion of fools suffer harm. Proverb tells us, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So God has given us a prayer, He's given us the Holy Spirit with Scripture, and He's given other Christians to walk hand in hand 
to help us understand God's promises, God's faithfulness, and God's love for us. Would you rest in God's providence, in God's promises? Would you see that God is good and praise Him? Would you trust and obey that all that God has commanded us to do, knowing that that's God's plan for us, as difficult it may be? In all these things, we may be confident and sure that God actually is both in control of every circumstance and He's also the one that's most concerned about our well-being. And I think that's where you and I struggle because we don't truly believe that God has my best interest at heart. We truly believe that we know better for ourselves than God. But He's our good shepherd who guides us in paths of righteousness. For His name's sake, the psalmist writes, ultimately God is glorified when you and I make good, wise decisions and trust in the providence of God so that we may be confident as we seek to please Him. We need to grow to the maturity of Abraham that when God asks difficult things of us, we're willing and able and glad to do so. For He'll make our path straight, the Bible tells us. For His glory... And for our own good, I'd like you to take your Bible, and if you would, I think if you're still in the Hebrews, turn to the end of the chapter, Hebrews 12, and you read of these men and women who went through life with lives much more difficult than you and I will ever face. They faced circumstances and decisions that you and I could not comprehend. They trust and obey at a level that you and I may never attain to. But yet through it all, it says that they, through these things, they did not see the promise fulfilled. Many of them never saw the promise of the Redeemer fulfilled. Many of them never saw the land fulfilled. They never saw the kings and all the things that God promised, but yet they trusted Him nevertheless. But look at Hebrews chapter 12, the first verse. Therefore, based on what these men and women did, and their confidence of walking in faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What weight are you carrying? What's your ball and chain? What is it that's keeping you from trusting and obeying in God's providence? What is that's preventing you from doing all that God has called you to? It says we need to put it down. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the same, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are in your sanctification process. I don't know if you're an Abraham that's coming out of the land of Ur, the Chaldeas, or if you're an Abraham that's lying to the Pharaoh about who Sarah is, or if you're the Abraham that is ready to sacrifice his son. I pray that you're moving more to the latter than more to the former. Wherever you may be in your faith, put your eyes on Christ. Trust and obey. Christ was obedient and submitted to the providential will of God when he says, go and be their savior. Amen? 
He's called us to follow him, that we may be conformed to the image of his son. Kevin DeYoung is a pastor in Indiana, tweeted this, Fight to believe that the hardest part of your story, of your life, is not the end of God's story for you. For many of us, we have faced some things in our life that we're right here and we've never gotten past. We've used it to doubt God, to doubt His goodness. We've used it to struggle. We may get past it, but then we're drawn to it like an anchor that sinks us. But remember, God's story for Jacob did not end with him just being a deceiver. It ended with him being named Israel the one who wrestled with God. Would you too be one who wrestles with God in trusting and obeying, not in fighting His plans, but saying, bless me, bless me. God's story with you is not done yet. There's plenty of pages still to write. It ends when you're conformed to His image. Until then, He's doing that work, building your faith. He's called you to trust in Him Trust in His goodness, trust in His promises, and obey in Him. Would you do so this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'd like for you to just take a moment before we go to our last song and then communion to pause, to consider, to pray, and to respond. What is it that God's calling you to this morning? Maybe it's time to forgive someone. Maybe it's time to, to trust in God. Maybe it's a time to repent and confess of sin. In what ways have you doubted the goodness of God? In what ways have you been struggling with the providence of God? In what ways have you struggled to trust and obey? Would you give that over to Him this morning? Put your eyes on Christ, the one who's completed all that's needed for us. Father, you are a good God. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Genesis. And even though we just took a very broad overview, I thank you for what it contains. And Lord, let us dive deep into its word. And Lord, let us hold on to your promises. Let us lead it to trust in your providence, see your faithfulness and your goodness. And may that cause us to sing your praises. And Lord, to be able to have rest in our heart and be willing and confident to continue to walk and do the works that you called us and you planned for us to do. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives. Strengthen us for the battle. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.